0: Greetings, fellow imps. I'm imp fossil Tom Hensky, and I'd like to welcome you to From Nowhere to Now Here, where incarnate memories prevail. Like many incoming first years, I entered the University of Blank Canvas. You get it, nowhere. But four years later, I grew to Now Here. And when I look back at that transformation, it was the friendships that I built through the Imps that were a huge part of that growth. But where did everyone end up? I'm going to take us on a journey to find them, to catch up with the friends we've lost touch with. And in doing so, my mission is to rekindle these amazing relationships. say, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tom, that was awesome.
1: <laughs> that was awesome.
0: How, How are, are you? you? Good. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. Thank you. Thank you for having me on your podcast. And thank you for doing this for all of us. Um, it's been so inspiring to hear everyone's story.
0: Well, I couldn't put you first because I was just getting used to all the buttons and switches and things, and I didn't want to embarrass myself in front of you. So I finally got up the courage <laughs> to have you on So, it's great having you on, and you know how I like to start with all this stuff. Take us back to the beginning. So, take us back to the beginning before UVA. What was going on?
1: Oh, well, pre UVA, I lived in Portsmouth, Virginia. So, shout out to the 757. Um, I went to Churchland High School there. My dad was a high school principal um, in the city, not at Churchland at the time. He actually later became principal of Churchland once I'd left, but yeah, so I lived I lived in uh, Portsmouth, and obviously um, it's a beautiful place. You cross a bridge to go to the grocery store, and but it's also a very different place than <laughs> Charlottesville. So you know, I lived there, and um, my dad um, he was the first in his family to go to college and got his master's degree from UVA, and what was at the time the Curry School of Education, and is now the School of Education and Human Development at UVA. It was his principal's certificate and um, was a huge UVA fan. So I grew up like always loving UVA. I remember when they made the final four and had like the final four poster up in my room forever. And um, it was always, I think, kind of an aspiration of mine to go to UVA. But that wasn't, I would say, necessarily a common aspiration at my high school. So I had a really dear friend there um, who was later my roommate at UVA who, you know, we both had the kind of that shared dream of getting to UVA and we were super different. Um, This is her name was, if anyone remembered, um, Allison Watson, who's now Allison Camillo um, at UVA, she, um, she was my best friend and, and we had this shared dream together, but we were again, you know, you'd see us walking down the hall and I was like the typical, you know, captain of the cheer squad in my cheer mm-hmm. u- uniform most days with an incredibly unattractive perm um, that I kept my hair up in a scrunchie and you know you you get the whole 1980s picture there um, and Allison was all about the goth you know so she was in like the full like long she was president of the drama club long black skirts you know white makeup and the red lipstick and um, so we were definitely an interesting odd couple, um, but best friends, and great to have her. I think when I did arrive at UVA um, later on, so and we remained very close. She's now actually in New York, Tom. Um, she is one of the producers on the Samantha Bee show. So. Wow,
0: know. does she still dress the same way?
1: No, <laughs> she doesn't <laughs> at all. She doesn't at all. She's she's doing fantastic up there. So.
0: Well, you know, I have a huge staff for this podcast of like 30 or 40 people working around the clock, and I'm going to put, assign someone to find one of the pictures of that perm that you had in high school, and I'll make sure that we send that out to all the imps, because I'm sure that's exactly the picture that you'd like them to have.
1: Oh, well, yeah, it's an awesome visual, and I have to say, I was um, at one point dating a guy who worked on the yearbook staff, and I was actually getting a perm. And if you've seen, you know, the rollers and everything that that are required. <laughs> I was in the beauty salon getting my hair done and he snapped a picture of me with the rollers in and it made the front page full color picture like full page shot in the yearbook. So you don't even have to look very far for it. So yeah, I, I, I'm past the embarrassment of the perm after that. So yeah, that was awesome.
0: Great. Well, it's funny on my honeymoon with my wife, we're sitting on the beach and I look over at her and I said, oh honey, you curled your hair today. And she goes, no, it's naturally like that. So <laughs> I and I was thinking to myself, wow, that's a bait and switch. Like yeah. I thought she had the straight hair. Luckily I like the curly hair, but uh, <laughs> yeah. So that was, uh, that, I think that was the start of things to come in our marriage, right? There yeah. all these aha moments I had. So, okay, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about your hubby who fell in love with you with the hair as is today. And uh, maybe next time I see him, I'll ask him if you would like it as a perm.
1: Oh, yeah. No, oh, that's, a, oh. that's a hard no.
0: <laughs> OK, let me move on from that one. Sorry, I digress. That's what happens when you have your BFF on one of these. Podcasts. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, OK, so then you got to UVA and tell me about the beginning.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I think for me, the transition wasn't terribly hard beyond the obvious fashion like stop having a perm and maybe get rid of like half the stonewash in your wardrobe. Stonewash was a much bigger thing in the Hampton Roads area, interestingly than it was in Charlottesville. So a little, a little fashion shift, um, you know, was 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 needed. And and but otherwise I, you know, I had a pretty easy transition. I think in large part because I was placed in Eccles dorm. And I was there with like some legendary UVA people like, you know, Robbie Grossman was a dear friend very early on and Brian Bariano and Chip Hutchins. And we just had a great dorm. And um, Steve Islami was our IM king. And we were super active initially, like in IM sports. And then, you know, me and the guys, we would spend a lot of time going to the sporting events. And um, it just, it was, you know, instantly I fell in love. Like it was absolutely a love, and, as, you know, at first sight sort of situation for me, and um, and it was helped because I had a lot of great folks, like great grounded, just kind, funny, fun people in the dorm. So yeah, it was it was great. And um, you know, first year I got involved in my sorority and um, the U guides and the honor committee initially, um, although kind of to a lesser extent that one. And and just felt like I found my people. Um, and I think, you know, that was the one thing I think being in Portsmouth, I definitely had a great group of friends, but I feel like it was at UVA where I really found my people, you know, the people who, who I connected with in a deeper way.
0: Did you have anyone else from your graduating class in high school go to UVA?
1: So Allison, you know, was my roommate. So right. that was nice to have that grounded experience. And um, I don't know, do you know Tom that I'm a twin?
0: No, I don't remember.
1: Yeah, so I have a twin brother, who was also at UVA with me. So, yeah, it was always a fun fact. Yeah, to have. So Jason is um. What? Shut
0: yeah. Up. How did <laughs> I not know that? Oh my god! <laughs> serious?
1: Yes, I'm. I yes, I'm dead serious. So Jason and Jason, you know, I think he walked to the beat of his own drum. Um, at UVA and um, in in a beautiful, wonderful way and. And still does. He lives now. He lives in um, Indonesia. He lives um, on on an island off the coast of Bali, and he works for a company doing marketing, trying to solve the ocean plastics crisis. I mean, he's doing crazy, amazing things out there and surfs nearly, you know, every day, (laughs) which is like his dream. So he's living his best life and and is doing fantastic. But yeah, so he was at UVA with me. and, And so that was always nice to have family. There as well, But I think both of us, after having been in, you know, at, at Churchland High School, there's, there's really not m- more than one honors English class, you know, <laughs> there wasn't that many. So Jason and I were in school and classes together all through high school. So I think for us initially that it was a much needed kind of like, all right, we'll find our own identity and our own space here, which is probably why you didn't know him as well. Um, we're, we're terribly close, though. But at the time, I think we both were looking for a little bit of space as well, you know, in a good way.
0: Well, I mean, I probably didn't meet him because he sounds cool. Right?
1: <laughs> yes, he's very cool. He's, he's a very cool guy.
0: Yeah, yeah. He, he, that's exactly who he wanted to hang out with, the dorky soccer players. Like, yeah, that's, that's right. on. Instead of like surfing in Indonesia, come on. Have you gotten to visit him there?
1: We did actually a couple summers ago, um, pre-COVID, we we went and visited him um, on Bali. At that time, he was living on Bali, so not not a bad place to visit your brother. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's doing great, and really nice to see him there. He's lived in Alaska and Key West. He worked for Jimmy Buffett, um, writing the Coconut Telegraph in Key West, and um, did some really crazy stuff, you know, working with the indigenous communities in Alaska. He's done some crazy cool stuff. So yeah.
0: Yeah, that's the guy. He
1: makes know. me seem boring. I'm boring okay. relative to my brother, but Yeah, yeah.
0: M- Macy, how can I end this interview and just start interviewing your brother? When can we can we just I know
1: work right now? <laughs> yeah, we totally we totally need to get Jason. It would be a great interview, I promise you.
0: So okay, then did, did you know what you were gonna major in right from the get-go, or how did that play out?
1: I did. I did know instantly I wanted to major in government, and I I just, and I started taking tons of classes, I actually finished, I ended up with two majors and a minor because I finished my government major so fast, um, and initially I thought, I thought I wanted to be a news a news journalist, I wanted to be a broadcaster, and so I guess that was part of the impetus as well, and I did an internship actually, for those of you who know have Hampton Roads, with um, Wavy News 10, which is the NBC affiliate, and it, there were some awesome moments of it, um, you know, getting to go to, you know, the General Assembly and work with some of the political part of it. But the vast majority of it was spent like following the police blotter, and um, you know, determining if an accident was bad enough to warrant, you know, us covering it. And so you realize that, you know, as a reporter, you follow tragedy a lot, and and, you know, that's a lot of the life. And it didn't appeal to me enough that I kept with it. But anyway. So all of that was kind of related to this interest overall in government, and I've kind of, you know, even though I'm not directly in, involved with it now, you know, my master's degree was in um, both of them were in policy, education policy, and I think that side of things has always been of interest to me. If, if Batten were around when I was when we were undergrads, I totally would have been in the Batten School, like that's totally my jam. Um, but yeah, so I did know government was where I was going to go immediately.
0: Wow, you know, you're talking about journalism. You're right. If uh, the saying is, "If it bleeds, it leads," right? So, you, you, <laughs> yeah. search, searching out the accident seems to be the place to be. So, yeah, probably, probably good switch for you away from that. That's not your mo, is it? So,
1: no, not at all.
0: <laughs> and then, so tell me the sorority you were in. Tell or tell everyone else. I know what sorority you were in. But go <laughs> ahead.
1: Yeah, I was at Delta Gamma and still remain actually very close with my sorority sisters who were in it. There's a group of six of us who have an ongoing text thread that is active every single day. And we have this snap thread that all of our kids laugh at us about because apparently we don't use Snapchat correctly. <laughs> Because we like it's this ongoing conversation between us, but we don't really care. In some ways, we revel in the fact that our kids think it's funny. Um, but um, you know, I'm really in touch with them every single day, which is um, a blessing. And particularly during COVID, when we were all shut, you know, locked down and not communicating with everyone, it was really such a life raft to have them around. And um, it's funny the um, when my kids were little, a few of of them were visiting me. This is when we lived in Chapel Hill, and My, um, my daughter Haley was trying to figure out like how they fit into my life. You know, they're like, are they aunts? I'm like, no, they're not your aunts. And they're like, are, are they like, you know, do they, are they the moms at the preschool? I'm like, no, they're not that. And I'm like, they're, they're just really special friends. And Haley was like, oh, they're super friends. And so, so now we call each other the, you know, we are the super friends. That's like the name of our thread. And, you know, that's how we refer to each other. So it's, and it's, it's, it's very true. They are my super friends.
0: That's actually perfect, yeah. right? Super friends, right? And you, I said on an earlier podcast that I think the reason why you're so close with the people you were in school with is that there was just no agenda, right? There was no yeah. agenda. It was about, okay, here we are hanging out. The only agenda is what party are we going to? <laughs> and, and how quickly can we get there, right? And so I just think back that it's the most genuine friendships and relationships you had have because they knew you well right? And they liked you when, and so you probably haven't changed the whole heck of a lot. And so they feel like that about you now, which is awesome. Super friends. All right.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm sorry. We're super friends too. So that's kind of cool. All right. So, so tell me now, um, you started going down your path at at UVA and you're doing the sorority thing, the you guys thing, where and when did the imp thing pop up?
1: So I guess my first exposure with the EMS was, um, was Mike, you know? So, um, you know, and I, Mike and I met much earlier than that when he was a second year, I was a first year at UVA. And, um, you know, we, we were together the whole time, really we were at UVA and um, he, it, he was selected for the EMS when he was, I think it was the end of his third year, beginning of his fourth year. I can't remember when his tapping was, um, which of those times. And so that was my first experience with the organization. I knew a lot about it. I, I was a U-Guide. You know, we talked about the imps all the time, but, um, but that was my first real exposure to the organization was when he was tapped.
0: Now, so you met your hubby and you were both imps. Did it ever occur to you that if Mike didn't capture your heart, your name today wouldn't be Macy Lennox? It might be Macy Rosalino? Or Macy <laughs> Havlicek, or maybe Macy Way. Like, like that could. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine if I was doing my intro and calling you Macy Hale Havlicek? That would be tongue twister. That
1: that would be yeah. That would be crazy. That would be crazy. I think Mike Mike stole my heart before way before imps were even in the picture, which is kind of funny. So, um, so yeah, but yeah. So for for me, it was all you know. That it was him first, him first imp second.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, so now you're going through the imps and you graduate and then you have the path of all paths. I mean, when I look at your kind of LinkedIn profile, I'm like, God, LinkedIn probably had to redesign their, um, their data because you have like 1500 lines of cool things. So, but just take me through a little of the chronology after you graduated and where you went from there and what was on your mind. What were you thinking you were going to do? What did you actually end up doing? That sort of stuff.
1: Yeah. So, I think, you know, I remember I, I did have a bit of a crisis of faith in school about what I wanted to do after I decided it wasn't going to be like, you know, journalism. And, um, and I t- took this career services class. Um, which was actually super helpful. I had this great career services advisor who was kind of part advisor, part therapist. (laughs) I was working my way through it. And we did all of these like, you know, tests and personality tests in the class and did our resumes. And um, I was meeting with him once and it was, we were talking about the results of one of those little tests that they do. And I was like, what's this higher education administration thing? Why does that come up? And he looked at me and started laughing. He was like, Macy, have you looked at your resume because like <laughs> you know all that stuff you do for UVA you can actually get paid to, to do this and it was kind of a, a reality check I think as someone who was the daughter of an educator who I res- could, could not have respected more my dad was amazing and did amazing things but I also saw how hard it is to you know be an educator and I, I didn't think that that was going to be my path but um, but as soon as kind of I had that conversation, I was like, yeah, this is totally what I should do. I can actually get paid to do the things that I, that I genuinely love and that found me. You know, it's not things that you intentionally have to say, oh, I need to do this. It was more of a, this is what I do when I want to have fun. And so that's what kind of led me to the field. And I had this great experience of working um, as an intern in the admission office. I was co-chair of the admission committee and um, with Jack Blackburn. And, you know, I worked specifically for Mike Mallory. I did like all of the spring fling programming in the office. Um, Not, I mean, I helped with all of it, but I got to see Jack who was Dean of admission at UVA for many, many years and was the most amazing man um, because he showed like great love and service for UVA, but he also just showed tremendous compassion in what is not a very compassionate process. You know, the, and I think, his commitment to access and his commitment to meeting students where they were. And, you know, just being a man for all people was such a huge part of who he was that it really inspired me to want to get involved in in admission. And in some ways, when you think about it, you know, policy is my jam, as I said, and in some ways admission, as an admission officer, particularly as a young officer, you know, even, even as a young officer, I should say, you have the ability to impact Institutional policy, you know, because the students define an institution, right? And if you're the person who's selecting the students for that institution, in some ways, you know, you you are helping to define the direction of the place. And and so for me, that there was a lot of appeal in the job for that. So so I, I got I, I initially got a job working as an assistant director of admission at Mount Holyoke College, which is located in South Hadley, Massachusetts. It's a women's college, private part of the Seven Sisters, it's liberal arts based, um, under 2000 undergraduate students, really the polar opposite in the realm of selective higher education um, to UVA. Like really in every possible way, it was an opposite. And I really loved the job even. And so I knew if I loved the job there, I, I didn't see myself staying in that particular type of institution. But if I loved the job there, I knew that this was that I needed to stick with this. You know, this was a good fe- a good field and profession for me. And um, so I went to Harvard to the Graduate School of Education um, after a couple of years at Mount Holyoke and got a, a master's degree in, in education there. And um, and then got um, got a job working in the Harvard admission office. And it's funny um, when I interviewed for that job, uh, Bill Fitzsimmons, who's the dean of admission, had said. He'd asked me, he's like, do you know Jack Blackburn? And I said, well, yeah, he's the reason I do this. And um, later Fitz said that, um, when I answered the question that way, he was like, I knew I, knew I was gonna hire you. Like nothing else mattered, I knew I was gonna hire you. Because afterwards Fitz, Fitz had said in the interview, he said, well, you know, um, Jack's I think the best man in the field. He's the, he's the best we have in college admission. And, and I told Fitz, I said, well, when you said that Jack was the best man in the field, then I knew I would accept the job if you offered <laughs> it to me. So it was it was a good fit. I think um, that was an amazing experience working working in, at the Harvard admission office. Um, just I had a gr- it, it was a great staff. It's, it wasn't what I expected. I, I guess I you know you think Harvard rests on its laurels and it does the opposite. It really works hard and is at the cutting edge of the field. And Fitz was an amazing dean. I learned so much from them. And then I went to Princeton and worked in admission there. Um, it was a shorter strip stint at Princeton because at that time um, Mike was working in the city at NYU and um, we were buried at the time and and the commute and, and everything just was not so great. So I went back to, to school um, at, at Columbia at Teachers College and was working on my PhD. And that was when 9-11 happened. I was a year and a little bit into my into my studies and pregnant at the time um when nine when 9-11 happened. And I think Mike mentioned this in his, but I I was a block away. I was actually at the World Financial Center when the first plane <clears> struck. <throat> so I saw I was an eyewitness to to everything. We had to be evacuated off the end of the island and I had to take up kind of a independent studies for a few of my classes and, and leaves on others. And it was it was during that time that Mike got the job at Duke. And so we just thought, yeah, let's let's do that (laughs) let's do that we're out of here (laughs) (laughs) yeah so we took a i uh i took a second master's degree from teachers college and and we moved down to duke
0: wow yeah and i can imagine i know that um ride from new york city to princeton that's a long commute my it
1: was it was no bueno yeah so that's why we moved into the city and it was we loved being there i mean it was really really great but there was so much and um you know we lived south of the trade centers um and so after 9-11 you couldn't get south of the trade centers without your lease with you you know and um there were no cars we couldn't get back into our apartment for over a month and you know i was in my third trimester by this point so from a safety perspective you know we're like all right so if i go into labor i guess we'll we'll get the because all of the national guard was in the empty apartments in our building and and camping out in Battery Park. So it's like, I guess, I guess they can take us in the Humvee to, you know, St. Vincent's to, to deliver. You know, it's like it it was not an ideal situation. we loved New York. It was just it, it wasn't it wasn't an ideal situation to say the very least.
0: So yeah, yeah. pregnant, uh, yeah. That's uh, there are other options like anywhere at that point right right any any, anywhere pick a spot just take the globe spin it and then put your finger down and it's probably a better place than New York City at that time for sure it stayed like that for a while so and so as you're going along the way and I want to get into what you're doing now but that you really had this um, diverse experience in the admissions area I mean you went to you were at Holyoke and Uh, which by the way, I was rejected from when I applied. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't, I I thought they would would maybe let in one male for diversity sake, right? But I guess not, I guess that didn't happen, but it was- It it was
1: their loss, their loss, Tom.
0: Yeah, you know, I tried to get them to, you know how they say you could start a club when you get there? My sales point was I would start a soccer club and uh, they didn't buy, they didn't buy it. (laughs) So, uh, but then all of those together, like- Made you pretty well rounded for what you do today, because they're really different pit stops. In a lot of ways, they're all so different.
1: Yeah, they really are. Um, and I worked at Duke when I we were down in Chapel Hill as well, so that kind of rounded it out a little bit. And you know, I think it, it's funny because I, when I was in high school, I only looked at UVA. I mean, I was an admission office nightmare, truly. Like I'm, I did it absolutely the wrong way. I was like, this is it. I'm studying. this is the one school I want to go to, which is totally the wrong way to look at it. So I always joke that I did my college search like, you know, six years too late. <laughs> That's when I started looking at and working at different colleges and and really appreciating the landscape of, of higher education in general. So, um, and I do, I appreciate all of those schools. I think I have tremendous respect for every place that I've worked and um, a, a deep belief that, you know, it's it's not a, it's, you know, I've worked at some really high ranking schools. And I think in some ways the thing I've learned is like it's not about the ranking it's about the fit you know I've seen some amazing kids who at Harvard who I would I would think oh my gosh you'd be actually I think you'd be happier at UVA (laughs) you know or at Mount Holyoke or something else and so I I do feel like sometimes we spend too much time thinking about you know rankings um when it's really just about finding the right fit but because these institutions even though they're ranked closely and seem similar are actually quite different. Um, All of the places I've worked are different and and I appreciate um, and respect all of them.
0: So let me put you on the spot. Would, if you were to take one lesson from each of them or one thing that sticks in your mind that you brought with you to what you're doing now from each of those places, if I said, okay, tell me about Mount Holyoke. What did you learn from that? And what did you bring with you? And then do the same for the others i think that would be really interesting if you don't mind me asking
1: no yeah well i would say i would say mount holyoke it, for me so much of it was understanding the importance of fit and and trying to understand that you know for me personally um that's not that wouldn't have been the right fit for me right um but but getting my head around like why it's the right fit for others and counseling people through the process and i think at at, at a place like Mount Holyoke, so much more of the job is about talking, interacting with people who come to grounds, and and going out and talking to people who, who don't know Mount Holyoke and may not be thinking about a women's college. And I got to tell you, women's colleges are fantastic. I mean, they are empowering. Um, they are tr- just wonderfully supportive and affirming environments, and and really, really amazing fits for people. So, trying to get out that message. Um, you know, was challenging and, and just a really, I think, fun part of the job. And, you know, I would go to high schools, and, you know, they have my, they put the sign up, okay, you know, not Holyoke is coming, but it would be, you know, Holyoke is spelled H-O-L-Y-O-K-E, but they would have H-O-L-Y, second word, O-A-K, (laughs) O-A-K, You know, it was like, no, this is not a holy tree. We're, this is a university. <laughs> you See, know, so.
0: I would have been perfect there because <laughs> I would have spelled it to that exact way my, with my spelling. So thank God for spell check, right? So I, that's great. I know,
1: but like no one knew it. And I went from that to Harvard, where you call a school and they're like, do you want the auditorium? And what can we do? And when do you want to come? And, you know, it's like they roll out the red carpet. Um, so it's a very different sort of environment. And so, as I said, when I got to Harvard, I, I don't know if I knew what to expect, but it's a place where they do, you know, it is it is best practice. And, you know, they 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 know kind of their standing in the admission office and they constantly work hard to be better and to um and so I I've always been very impressed by them. And and you know, Fitz, who is still there, is just like this remarkable dean and kind of a, a legend in the field um, in his own right. And you know, he's the kind who is, you know, printing out <clears throat> articles from The Economist for all of us to read and think about and and really just was a was a thinker on the field and always wanted us to be better. And it, it was there that I learned to read applications. Like, that's really where I learned how to be perceptive, because Harvard is a full committee process. So when you every single case is voted on by a committee, it's full democracy. And my vote counted as much as the dean's vote. And But when you were presenting a case, you had to advocate and you had to know your stuff and you had to, and you had people grilling you, particularly some of the older deans who just reveled in like grilling the young people, you know, the rookies. (laughs) Well, what do you think of this? And what about this? And how do they compare to this? And so you had to be on your game and understand. And, and it it really just taught me how to read, how to be, how to, how to read applications and think about the process. And, you know, every single case, like I just remember being there at like one in the morning, (laughs) some nights and you know, the whole vote. And once we got the whole class, once we hit the whole class, it was a standing ovation in the room. And, you know, we were there six days a week in that committee room. It was just, it was a remarkable experience, I would say. Um, I think Princeton is a very different institution than when when I was there. I I think if, for, for me personally, like I love the liberal arts environment there. It's a very undergraduate centric environment. And I loved, I love everything about the school. I think at the time the admission office was in a not so great period of transition. And um, so it was less of a learning, you know, and, and all respect to Princeton. Let me just put that out there. It's, as I said, I, it's where I would have probably fit in better if I had been smarter. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but, but,
0: but from me, admission wait, office- I know, I know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, but it was, it's just, it was a great school, but I don't think, I think if anything, I learned how to be more of a leader in that office because, you know, we didn't have voicemail when I was there and this was like early 2000s and we were, you know, this is Princeton and we're like, but we're on the road and how are we supposed to get messages? So one of my great accomplishments there was getting voicemail for the office, you know, so we, we were kind of behind and, I feel like my experience at Harvard helped me be a leader and kind of help push them a little forward. Um, I hope that's humbly humbly speaking, I don't think I did a great deal, but you know, that was kind of how I viewed like, all right, we gotta keep moving forward. So anyway, um, Duke was great. I mean, um, it, I think Duke has a very efficient committee process and I learned a lot about, you know, that was a place that was more business-like, um, you know, you'd come in and, and I worked with, for instance, Maryland, And it was like, all right, you know, this is how many spots we have. This is a target for the area. You know, you need to advocate for all of these places, but you have to know like the history of your state and, and you come in, you know, business close in the committee room. It's a much shorter period of time. It's not like a full vote, like it was at Harvard. And You had to know your stuff and you had to really be ready to advocate for your for your kids there. Um, so, and, and in- interestingly, when I went to UVA, you know, we had no committee. And I think again, one of my roles there has been being like, you know, we should be regionally oriented, and and we we should have committees. And I'm really happy that both of those things, you know, have happened. It's obviously not just because of me. You know, there was other voices in the office, you know, communicating the same thing. But um, but yeah, I learned a lot. I think everything that I learned, I brought I've brought you know forward with me, and I've i just been I'm very grateful that I have had all of those experiences. They've all contributed to who I am. So,
0: so if i'm if i'm like the other ramps they're thinking this question which was about when you were at mount holyoke so you said that you felt uh, i don't want to put words in your mouth but i think you said that you, you didn't you wouldn't have been there necessarily as a student it wouldn't be somewhere you applied how does that does that help your job hurt your job is that tough to do because you know in your mind you're thinking you're uva you know you bleed orange and blue But you're at a different place like how does that work when you're out there because part of it is talking to students at these student fairs and how does that play out
1: yeah i mean it is it's a different it's a different experience and it was i struggled with it at first and but i I spent a large part of my career not at uva you know and as you said i do for anyone who doesn't know me like totally bleed orange and blue so so it was it was a little bit of a shift but i think you know, I have such an appreciation for higher education overall. And, you know, and again, about fit and understanding that like, it's about finding the right place for you. And I I like being a counselor and advisor in that journey for people. So in some ways, in some ways I felt like I had a little bit more credibility, right, because they knew that that was not my experience. And yet like, you know, So I'm not talking with rose colored glasses, in other words, I'm I'm expressing like genuinely a respect for this institution by advocating for this institution. And in some ways coming to UVA was a bit of a shock at first because when people push back and are like, well, you know, say something negative about UVA, you know, my immediate reaction is, what are you talking about? You know, that's what I'd want to say. But of course, that's not the right response, right? You know, um, I, I'm not as measured, I guess I would say, about UVA because I, I do, I'm so passionate about
0: it. Well, well, it's kind of like an interview, how they teach the kids to do interviews now. You do, you say, oh, what was the bad thing about Virginia? or What's not good about it? Yeah, you don't get a lot of sleep because you're out having fun every <laughs> night. So yeah, yeah. So you're a little sleep deprived. That's where I would put that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And I will say, you know, one interesting thing is I would say, I would say being at Harvard, like a lot of people kind of lose themselves in that Harvard mentality. And there's even like a Harvard accent, um, believe it or not. Like you go there, you'll hear it and you'll know what I'm talking about. But a lot of people lose themselves in that. And I think for me, um, you know, I'm Oahu and, and I, I, I never for one day regretted my, our decision to, you know, my decision to be at UVA. I never, and at, even after seeing all of these great places, I think it was just affirming to me that I picked the right place. Like I, I picked the place that was right for me. And again, that was kind of my passion to help people find the right place for them, wherever it would be. And um, and I, I think, you know, my, it was something that translated like my bosses, the Dean at Harvard, you know, would come in after a UVA one and be like, wahooey. And I'm like, close, not quite,
0: close. <laughs> um,
1: and, you know, my Dean at Princeton, like got me a, you know, he, he was a big reader and he buy me books on UVA. Like he knew, they knew how much I loved UVA. And, but I think in some ways that made me, you know, I, I never, I never at one point thought like, oh, I wish I were here. It was never sort of a, oh, I idolized this place because I knew I had the best place where I went. So,
0: yeah. And now you're back. Right. And so tell everyone about what you're doing at UVA now. What's the day to day look like? Uh, Of course, I'm going to ask you, how was it last year during a pandemic? But just can you kind of get into the non-pandemic part first before you kind of tell us what that last year was like?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, when when we had the opportunity to come to UVA, I think Mike touched upon this we'd always thought about it, but um, I think we'd finally really settled into Chapel Hill. Um, And it was funny, we were talking, we had so many UNC friends, um, and we went to a lot of UNC games. And um, I remember, you know, once our friends were like, we're going to get you to wear Carolina blue, because I refused when we were down there, um, just on principle. And And um, I said, I don't think you're going to do that. They're like, Well, we have tickets, and we'd like you to join us at the at the UNC Virginia Tech game. (laughs) And we were like, Okay, okay, we'll wear Carolina blue. So, but I remember walking across the Carolina blue, like the the quad, and being like, This is like Bizarro Mike and Macy, like in these Carolina blue shirts, like going to the stadium and. and I think that's when, I think that's when God intervened. <laughs> and said, we got to change this. We got to get these folks to Charlottesville.
0: Yeah, God, God's, up, God's <laughs> up there saying, uh, okay, I've seen enough. Someone <laughs> take care of this for me. You, yeah. you delegated someone to go down and get you the heck out of there. It's like, God.
1: yeah, you got to leave. So, you know, we, we, we got to Charlottesville and, you know, we, we really, we're so happy to be back and, and it is it is home for us. I gotta be honest for anyone not living in Charleston. and I know Gray and, and Blank have all been on and, and have shared this, but you know, it is as good as it sounds <laughs> to live in Charlottesville. It really is just a great place to be and we're really really happy to be back. Um, so I worked initially as a, a part-time reader um, in the admission office and I got to, a chance to work with Jack Blackburn in his last few years before he passed away, which is a real, um, a real, you know, just special thing for me um, and, and certainly an honor to have had that opportunity. Um, but my kids were young and I wanted to be part-time. I didn't want to have any of the you know heavy duty applications. We were building a house, there's a lot going on. So I read applications for UVA for a few years, um, and then um decided I went a little bit more. So I I I became an assistant dean with senior assistant dean. I'm now an associate dean in the admission office and um, And yes, it's, it's it's great. I mean, I, I work with, um, you know, some great folks who've been there for a long time and, you know, we, I oversee a regional committee and, um, oversee, you know, work with the Jefferson Scholars Foundation with their selection process and oversee our on-grounds programming team, which has been keeping me super busy over the last couple of years, because, um, obviously our jobs have, Completely shifted to a virtual platform and are now shifting back to an in-person um, situation, and so trying to manage those shifts has been a big part of my job recently.
0: So, well, yeah, that's a that's a huge, uh, huge shift, huge colossal shift, both ways, going out of it and then coming back into it. Right, the, the re immersion yes. as we're calling it. Yeah. So, so tell us, like in a non-pandemic world, w- what does that mean that you do? every day in terms of, you know, it it seems like I always think about what you do for a living as super busy, like an accountant would be right before the April 15th deadline, that's kind of in my world. And then like you have the rush to the finish line and then you get a couple of weeks where it's a little bit quieter and then somehow it starts to ramp up again. Is that kind of how your world works?
1: Yeah, I mean, college admission is very seasonal. And so, you know, the the fall is, is largely spent um, in recruitment you know we're doing a lot of big programs we're welcoming visitors to grounds we do um, open houses um, we're on the road so the first little bit of the season is very much a public facing outwardly facing aspect of the job um, the first part of the academic year which for us is always the beginning of the of the year you know we head into reading in november and <clears throat> our, our most intense period is actually November, December from a reading perspective. And that's because early action is just such a significant part of our applicant pool these days. 31,000 of our 47,000 apps this year were, were early action. And so it's a lot, it's a lot of applications to get through. So um, in the winter, that's what I do. I mean, I just, I read applications. Um, I am, am an approver for my regional team and it, it basically works out to 6,000 or so applications a year. I mean, it's a lot of reads. It's a lot of applications that are going to cross my desk. And so that's, that's a big part of the job in the winter. And then in the spring, we pivot to yield, yield um, recruitment. So that's when we admit the class. And that's when we are like, okay, like, let's introduce you to UVA. We want you to come. And so we spend time with that. And then the summer is, is kind of turning our attention back to the juniors and the, and the rising seniors and helping them navigate the process for the next year. So yeah, it's, it's good. Just when you get tired of like being in the public eye, you go and you hibernate in your house and read applications. And then just when you get tired of that, you're back out in the public. So it's, it's a good seasonal job, I would say.
0: So what is the part of your career that you love the most? And what is the part that you, let's call it love the least uh-huh. <laughs>
1: of, of my current job, like what I'm doing yeah, right now? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to hear Um, it.
1: Yeah. I, well, I, I love reading applications. I mean, I, I just, you know, and you kind of have to um, at a place like UVA where we have nearly 50,000 applications, right? Um, I enjoy the process of reading and hearing the, you know, sitting in a committee and talking about cases and and that, that part I find, I find really, really interesting. Um, And it's probably my favorite part of the job. With that said, I, I like the presentation aspect of it as well. You know, I, I, I don't like traveling. I would say that's something that's not my favorite part of the job, but I do like, I do like presenting and, and, and presenting UVA. It's, it's, you know, I mean, it's pretty easy. It's something I love so much. So that's a labor of love for me. I have a session this afternoon, actually. So that's, that's something that I enjoy. Obviously, you know, the hard thing, the, the very hard thing is having to say no to so many great students. And and the nature of my job is I have to say no more than I have the ability to say yes. And, So that means a lot of qualified students don't get the positive response. And that's crushing for me. It's really, that's really a hard thing. And again, that's where I have to go back and and remember that everyone's gonna find a fit. It's gonna work out, you know, people are gonna find their their place. And, um, you know, my job is really in the service of UVA and to, you know, select the best class that we can understanding that it's a human process and we're going to make mistakes and it's not going to be perfect. Um, But, you know, we have to do the best job that we can to select the best students we can for UVA. And, um, you know, there are times I I remember when I was at Duke, one of the deans said we're in a committee space and she said, you know, this is I would love for my daughter to grow up and be just like the student. And I don't think we can accept her. And, and that's a really hard thing, but you feel that way a lot. Like, wow, I love this student. I have such respect for this student. But given how competitive it is, we just don't have quite enough space in our entering class, but they're going to be an amazing person elsewhere. And um, I know that's not necessarily helpful or encouraging to folks applying, but, you know, all this to say there's so many more wonderful kids that I would love to be able to accept and bring to UVA that, that we aren't able to, to, to bring. So that's the crushing hard part of the job, I would say.
0: Uh, any time that you had a, a laugh moment where you're saying you can't believe what you're reading in a kind of like outlandish way, like, I cannot not believe I'm just reading the, the type of thing where you want to pick that application up and you want to go down the hallway to one of your colleagues and say, look what I just read. Is this crazy?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, definitely. We see some crazy things happening in applications. You know, I had I had one student at Harvard who's clearly parents made them apply. And her whole essay was, I really, 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 do not want to attend Harvard. But the whole page was really. And it was like, clearly, she just submitted this application because her parents made her. You know, we'll have students who will write about, like, thinking on the toilet and stuff. And we're like, did they really think about this? Or did they really want us to envision them, like, thinking on the toilet? Then we have some really funny ones. At Princeton, we had this section called HodgePodge. Where we just asked like favorite movie or you know favorite most inspirational quote um, favorite place to think like just cool different fun questions and um, one of them was best advice and normally we got like you know JFK quotes uh, Martin Luther King Jr quotes but this one student wrote if someone offers you a breath mint always accept. <laughs> <laughs> All the time, like anytime someone offers me a breath mint, I'm like, yes, I will. Thank you so much. <laughs> and I always think about that kid. He has no idea how much influence he had, but, but it just, that was such an eye into his personality that like, he didn't go like the big, he didn't go the big quote route. He really went the, like, just the really funny, cute route. So anyway, yeah, I have lots of stories like that. It's, um it's definitely fun reading the essays.
0: We, we, we should probably do a debrief after every year with you <laughs> when you come in and you give us like Macy's top 10 things that I read that make me, made me go, hmm, right? Yeah,
1: or, oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure. I, actually, we just, um we do, and, and this will be less, less funny and more like helpful maybe, but we just, every year we do like an article for Virginia Magazine where we include like some of the best essays we received. So I just worked with the group selecting those and sending them off this week to them so keep an eye out folks if you're interested in good essays these are some of them are funny um most of them are just really 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 good well-written essays so if you're interested
0: you, can you know you, you have a book in you but you couldn't use your real name you'd have to have like, like, <laughs> use a different name but it could be like all the the behind the scenes of what's going on and what people were saying and what we were reading and that's I don't know. We'll save that That's sorry. My money-making brain just thought it the dollar there. So I couldn't.
1: <laughs> yeah. So let,
0: So let me take it off professionally for a little bit and now come back to like your imp experience, right? Do you remember your practical joke?
1: Oh, the, you mean when I was selected? The yeah. 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 I remember, you I remember I have a bone to pick on that one because you guys said that Mike was in the hospital. That was mine. It was, uh, yeah. yeah, so that was not, yeah, we need, we might need to talk about that off, off camera. That yeah. wow. <laughs> so was you, I think it was you and Raji, I want to say, were there, I can't remember, but yeah, and you were like, it's, it's minor, it's minor, but he's in the hospital,
0: so. Okay, so I'm going to say, I'm going to say, I don't remember doing <laughs> that, okay, and for, for any, like, Hensky children that might be listening, your father would never speak <laughs> that low, even for a laugh. Wow. Okay. And then tell me what imp life was like for you. What do you remember about it? Any fun times that you that specifically have yeah. fun in mind?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I was just so honored to be a part of the organization and it's still the organization I'm most proud to be a part of because of just the, the people. I mean, it's just such an incredible group um, of people who I, I think what I love about it the most is the first thing you know about imps, is that they're awesome people, and they're great people to have conversations with. They're fun. If there's music playing, they will dance, and you know they're all about fun. And then it's like, you know, a week later, you learn about how much of a rock star that person is. But that's secondary to them being just really great people. And it in- introduced me to people from parts of the university that I didn't know yet. And um, I think you know, I remember one of the first meetings I went to. I walked into the chapel and. Uh, Rob G and Freddie decided that they would exchange shirts. So, you know, they like each other's shirts. So, you know, you can get a visual on what this looked like. And, you know, Freddie did manage to, to put on Robbie's G's shirt, you know, so Robbie had the shirt down to like his past his knees, I think, you know, and, 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 um, and Freddie had on like a crop top. <laughs> but it was like, such a great example of, you know, president of Hillel and, and, you know, star of the football team, you know, coming together and, and just genuinely enjoying one another and respecting one another and being friends and having fun together. And, you know, you didn't see that that much, right? That's a hard thing at UVA to have kind of that level of, you know, mixing and with the M's I, I just felt like it was so remarkable and, you know, and then to be a part of things like Shoot Out cancer, which, which you started was, you know, it was so inspiring to, to do that and to, and to, um you know, work with these amazing people um, in, in a service endeavor. I, I found that to be really, really remarkable. Of course, I, I love the tappings as well and all of, you know, all of the fun and the parties, but I think it was, I was so much, so inspired by the people in the organization and just, You know, humbled and proud that that y'all selected me to be a part of this great thing. And I have to say, you know, um, one of the great things about being here in Charlottesville is Mike and I have had the ability to attend several fabs and some other events for the imps. And it's the same. I mean, the people in the organization, I'm just so proud again of, of them and what they've accomplished at UVA. They're impact players, they're doing remarkable things, and they're still like these super fun, you know, outgoing, gregarious amazing people. Um, So for anyone who hasn't been back, hasn't been to a nip function recently, I can tell you that they're carrying the torch in a really wonderful way. So,
0: you know, that reminds me of something Mike said to me, which was, there are a lot of traditions, and some traditions need to go, but other traditions need to stay. And when I hear you say that, that's one of the traditions that needed to stay, but also stay with the same culture that it had, the culture it sounds like of the imps hasn't changed from year to year which is kind of cool to see something stand the test of time like that you don't get to see that so much anymore so that's really cool the other thing I was thinking about as you were talking about that shirt swap between Robbie and Freddie was thank god there was no social media back then because uh those those two without shirts on I don't know if I'd ever want to see that that would I think I'd be permanently scarred for life with those two (laughs)
1: yeah it wouldn't be a good look (laughs) I still, I scarred in my head. I, I still remember that day. I can, I it's could really
0: tell, fun. I could see that you, I know we're on Zoom right now and everyone can't hear us, but I could see you're traumatized by it. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot. Ah, it was good. So, what's next for you personally?
1: Oh boy. Um, you know, I don't know. It's, we're heading, Mike and I are fast heading into empty mess territory, which is kind of crazy. Um, our youngest is going to be a senior next year in high school. So, Um, I think for us, it's it's thinking about what that what that next path is going to look like, hopefully spending a lot more time down in um, the Outer Banks, you know, um, enjoying enjoying some some off work time. Um, But, you know, I think I see us here in Charlottesville. I think we're you know, we're really happy. I think we found a place where we want to stay and, um, you know, just enjoying enjoying every minute. So, yeah.
0: Well, I know Ben's at UVA is going to be a second year, and I know his interests, which are sports and things like he's got a lot of interests, but Haley, tell me about her. Do you think that she might be interested in Virginia? Not that we're pressuring her to do that, but just curious as to where her head lies with that.
1: Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think Haley is going to, I don't think, I think she's um, not necessarily interested in, um, you know, following that, the family tradition with UVA to her, to her wonderful credit. Like, I think she wants to carve her her own path. And, um, Haley is just this remarkable, kind and generous, um, funny person who is her her own person. And, um, you know, I think that she's going to do remarkable things. She wants to also go, she wants to take the family, um, Mm -hmm the the family job and, and go into education. I think she'd like to be a teacher and she would be truly remarkable um, at that. But I, I think she's interested in maybe carving her own path, trying something different, which which I also think is amazing. So so it's gonna be fun because we're gonna go on a lot of college tours over the summer and, and look at places and cast the net wide and and see um, you know, what again, it's all about finding the fit, right? It's about finding your place. And so um, I think she knows UVA will always Always be there and always be a part of her heart. Um, I have a wonderful video. Video when we were in Minneapolis for the Final Four, and she's like, literally bawling, you know, as we're after we, awesome. yeah, it was amazing after we beat Auburn. And you know, I mean, she's a fan. She's a huge super fan. Um, we've brainwashed both our kids successfully that way. But I really respect her interest and desire, and and you know, maybe maybe finding finding it a slightly different path for her.
0: So. Yeah, we we worry that she's going to get good guidance with the college uh, application <laughs> process. She's probably going to be, like, she's going to, it's going to be really hard to do her essays, and she probably hasn't thought of any topics since she was maybe, like, probably three years old, you've been <laughs> about it, so that's, uh, the, the, we that's, have,
1: we have, but I lay off, I lay off for sure a lot, because I see, I see a lot, like, if you, you talk about a book, that would be my book, it's about parental involvement in the process, because it is, It's, it's a lot and it's intense and a lot of it's not super positive. And so I, I probably lay off probably more than you would think in the process. And, um, I know she's going to be fine. I know she's going to be fine. And the last thing I just don't want her to, I want it to be a positive experience for her. She already has a lot of pressure with a mom who works in this field. Um, so I get her, like, when I'm doing, you know, presentations, I I'll, I get her feedback, like, you know, I tell me what you think of this. What am I missing? What, what do I need to communicate to parents about the process? And um her, her latest was, it was middle of COVID, like, when it, everything was so stressful for everyone, I was doing a presentation for parents on the process, and, and she was like, mom, you need to communicate that literally no one needs more stress in their life right now. And I made that a slide. That was one of my slides was literally no one wow. needs more stress. so. Everyone, let's take a you know collective exhale, and and you know talk about how to be you know affirmative supporters and um, for for our kids throughout this process. So anyway, I think about that aspect of things a lot, and um, so I lay off. I, I lay off. I mean, certainly we're going to talk. We're going to talk when she finishes school about this essay, because you know I, my belief is to get it done during the summer. So, um, but I try to I try to not keep it in her face all the time. <laughs> yeah,
0: we're, we're, you know, part of their job description as a parent, you're, you've are got to be annoying, right? So like I'm, my kids were making fun of me at dinner the other night. They're like, oh, dad, maybe you could leave us another article to read, right? You, you talked about Fitz. Yeah. I think it was Fitz. Was it Fitz giving you the articles earlier on? I can't remember. Yeah, Fitz, you know,
1: like, yeah
0: Fitz, like, I, I, Fitz and I are BFFs, like we're kindred souls because I'm the same thing. I'll print out an article and then I'll say, oh, did you read it? Right. And then you can yeah. see, okay, did they read it? Well, why didn't you read it? Why did I take the time to print that out? And usually it's about money things. Like, yeah. so but I, I'm like finding myself, my kids are going to hate money because I just talk about it nonstop. So it's like, I'm trying to zip it, lock it, put it in the pocket and not talk as much about it. So they don't become obsessed with it, but I get it. Like when you do it for a living, it's easy to talk about because it's all day long and, you know. Yeah.
1: Just- and you know, we parents have the best of intentions we all do. I mean, we're all coming from the right place with it, but we just have to be careful not to, not to drown our kids in our best intentions. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, um, I think we all, I think we all have to think about that and and worry about that a little bit, but that's part of being a parent.
0: So I'm going to ask you my question about the letters IMP and your favorite word with IMP. What do you got for me?
1: All right, yeah, so I would say my favorite word would be imperfect, Um, and I think, you know, we talk, I think, especially in today's world, we talk so much about perfection, and, you know, I think there's this, especially in social media, this strive for perfection, and, you know, I think we forget sometimes the one thing that unites us all is, is our imperfections. And I might go so far as to say it's the things that make us most interesting as people and maybe what make, makes us the strongest. It's like that saying, you know, things are strongest where they're broken because that's where the light gets in, right? And so, you know, and I think about that a lot with my job, um, which does demand perfection for a lot of kids and and thinking, you know, I always try to think about ways to, to make the process more human for everyone um, and to approach it in a more human way personally and, you know, uh, for parents on the other side of it. But, yeah, I think I think we, we would all do better to, I think, be more understanding and, and even celebrate our, per, our own our own imperfections and, and those of others as well.
0: So you're going to be uh, the person to try out a new question that I haven't asked and I'm catching you off guard and I'm going to you'll know the answer. So it's not hard. But (laughs) So everyone's been saying, okay, maybe you should have people say their best dirty joke or something like that. But when I did a quick Google just to kind of get a few like of the chronological points of your kind of career, what popped up was your favorite photos order. Oh, and so, so what I thought we would do is starting with you, my trendsetter, okay, and without the perm anymore, <laughs> tell us what is your favorite Bodo's order?
1: Oh, well, that's a good question. It's actually different than what popped up because my Bodo's order has changed because I've, I've actually given up meat. <laughs> so oh, it my. used to be, I know, it used to be smoked turkey on everything with mayo and tomato. Right. That's probably what you have. Yeah, that was always my favorite, but I don't I'm, I don't eat meat anymore. So um, it's it's been a struggle, but we literally go to photos once a week. I, for those of you who don't live in town, you literally never get sick of photos. If you're wondering, <laughs> never, ever. In fact, Haley came and picked up photos for us yesterday morning, my daughter. So. Um, So I would say my favorite is probably a no bowl on everything with mayo and tomato now with a a kale Caesar salad on the side. You can get the Caesar, the Bodo Caesar with kale these days. Fun fact for those of you out-of-towners.
0: Wow. You heard it here first. You see, I get all the newsworthy stuff. Like I should have (laughs) done this for a living. Like you should have been a journalist or you were flirting around being a journalist. I really should have been a journalist. I mean, who uncovers fun facts like that Bodo's order? No one. Right. No
1: exactly. One. No one but you, Tom.
0: Okay. Well, that for all of you Imp Nation listeners, beware when I interview you, I'm getting the Bodo's order. It's okay if you have meat on it, though. Macy <laughs> will not think poorly of you. Don't worry <laughs> about that at all. Macy, you're the best. I love you're hanging the best, with Tom. you. And so much fun hanging with you. And so glad that Spencer had that basketball camp years ago down there that we reconnected after their, our time in New York City together. And uh, as I said to Mike, it's like, I look back to my New York experience and I say, ah, oh, I should have done more of this. I should have gone to more museums. I said to Mike, I said, we should have hung out more, but- uh, We just, totally uh, should have, yeah. Yeah, but looking forward to it when I'm down in Charlottesville and I'm I'm thinking I'm gonna create my own little imp uh, Charlottesville resident reunion and we're just going to have a fun dinner one night with all of us and get the whole crew it's like amazing how many imps are down there from in Charlottesville right it's crazy
1: there's so many and just let me know the date I'm happy to organize it too I would I'm just excited that we're going to see you more often and that Spencer's going to be joining the Wahoo community and so let me know because yeah I'm I'm all for it I'd love to get we the imps in Charlottesville don't see each other enough I haven't seen Gray in forever so it was so nice to hear me in your interview but um but yeah, totally. Just, just say the word when you're coming down and I'll organize it. And, and play on tailgates this fall, too. We're 100% capacity in Scott Stadium, folks.
0: So Yeah, exactly. And yeah. we're just going to make sure you don't wear any of that UNC gear. And, and hopefully no one ever got any pictures of that because that would have been, uh, I, I idolize you and Mike. So to like see you guys in UNC gear would have broken my heart completely.
1: As I said, it was a one-time thing and, and God intervened in, in, in the right way. So
0: all is good. Macy! <laughs> Thank you so much for being on. Miss you. And we'll talk IMP Nation soon. We're going to be sending out uh, Anna Yates' Facebook link. So everyone can join that. So you can have some back and forth dialogue. Because I know you don't get that from the emails that I sent out. So thank you, Anna. We'll get that out. And Macy, you're the best.
1: You're the best, Tom. Thanks so much.
0: Take care. Hi there. Tom here. Before I let you go, I want to tell you about my other podcast, Total Sense. As you may know, after my time as an imp, I went on to become a financial advisor. Okay, stop laughing. Don't act so surprised. In each episode, I share advice to parents about how to talk to kids about money. As a parent, I know how difficult that money conversation can be, so I hope you'll listen and find it helpful. It's Total Sense C-E-N-T-S, as in money, available anywhere you get your podcasts.